It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 563. And it's New Year's Eve when mm-hmm. you're listening to this. Yes. Uh, happy New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have the same buzz to New Year's Eve like it did when I was 15, 16, mm-hmm. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. 20. Actually, all, just all the times that I was drinking. <laughs> Getting it well, uh, yeah, ten, uh, t- tonight, New Year's Eve evening, I'm going to be on the margaritas. Mate, you go hard, please. I will. I will. I'll be uh, on them as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, baby's going to drink? Yeah. Good boy. All right. Well, let's bring on our guest for this News Eve show. It's uh, the very magical Dr. Jason Wizard Fox. Come up. Yes. <laughs> this is the greatest, the greatest guest reveal we've ever had in our... The only guest show. reveal. Yeah. Yeah. How, how was that? Can you breathe? Oh, good. Yes, I was just in another realm. Um, but I heard the call, so here I am. How are good you, Jess? Yeah, yeah, good. Good, good, uh, good. Yeah, can you? Oh, you can put your hat back on if you if you're not if you're listening to this. Jason has just appeared. He's um, got a wizard hat on, perfect. and I it looks perfect <laughs> on top of your headphones. Oh, uh, good, good, good. What's your relationship <sighs> with wizardry? When did this all start? Oh, well, that's a good question because people aren't born wizards necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a sorcerer, right? As is TJ it? knows, yeah. Sorcerers. <laughs> why, does, why does TJ know? Yeah, Did you watch? No, no. <laughs> oh, you just say, I had a knowing look about him. But, um, uh, <laughs> Confused, a, a, a wizard slash mage is someone who dedicates their life to studying the, the mysteries of the cosmos and try to unearth the, the kind of the underlying fractals, uh, the magic that lies betwixt and between all of the complexities of life. And so that's, you know, that's why uh, I'm technically I'm an arch wizard, um, which is one who's mastered all the schools of magic. Uh, except, except I mean, except, I mean, you've got the headphones um, on too, so it's hard. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's wizardry. I got into a deep conversation. Well, I was just listening to somebody who'd li- who'd researched it quite a bit. He listened to a bunch of podcasts, mm-hmm. and he knew a lot about on it. wizardry on witchcraft. Okay, sure. Which I was like, Fuck, is this this is a thing? Like people mm-hmm. are actually practicing witchcraft, wizardry, witchcraft. Any correlation, and did it ever exist? Were wizards like a thing? Many, many, like <laughs> in the six, in the bef- before the thousands. Uh, okay, cool. This is a great question because uh, if you if we go really back, the, the tribes would have different shamans, and shamans would have rituals that would connect folks to different types of meaning. And if we look at the power of placebo effect, uh, it's thirty to fifty percent sometimes. Uh, mm. it, it's quite powerful that the the how belief can be channeled to good effect and so how people can be healed and then make the association, oh, wow, it was the shaman's magic. Mm. And so from that notion, you can then have uh, a lot of different stems. Like there's, yeah, there's witches, there's druids, there's uh, wizards, there's, um, you know, uh, priests and shamans and all these other types of magic users. Uh, from my perspective and the perspective of wizard, uh, it's kind <laughs> of... Um, Magic is, there's different ways to think of magic, right? So what we're doing right here could mm-hmm. be a type of magic. It exists at an order of complexity that I can't even begin to describe without, you know, taking heaps of time. The fact that folks are watching us, listening to us uh, right now across the other side of the planet, it's like magic. So magic becomes a placeholder for something that is of an order of complexity too, mm. too beyond our ability to succinctly explain And then there's a kind of magical thinking where people believe that their thoughts and feelings and emotions can directly influence the wider universe. 
And that's where things get a little bit more fuzzy. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, a, a pinch of skepticism and rationalism is mm. useful in that regard, but not, not to the point where it blinds you, but just as a thread to hold on to so you don't get lost in that world. You, you work with a bunch of corporates. Do, are you rocking up to like Booper to do a presentation <laughs> with a wizard hat? <clears throat> this is great. <laughs> so um, have you guys heard of idiosyncrasity credit? No, no. <laughs> okay. um, so there's a there's a study that says that um, the more you play by convention, the more you can get away with uh, idiosyncrasies. Um, and so, therefore, the fact that you know I've got a PhD, you've written a few books, have lots of clients and stuff like that, allows me to kind of rock up and be in a different mode a little bit and kind of get away with it. Whereas if I had, uh, if you uh, ask, <laughs> if I rocked up with the wizard hat. <laughs> too many reds last night, mate. What's happened? So, 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 yeah, you don't want to push it too far. But, mm. um, but uh, in terms of archetypes to show up in at an event, and an event is like an orchestrated ritual, an experience, um, showing up as some sort of uh, gentleman explorer, pirate, wizard, or whatever does evoke different uh, feeling tones and different ways that people relate to uh, what's what's emerging. I'm finding it, my, my hat is just precariously oh, yeah. balanced right now, so I'm just... <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of course up. Why don't you um, put it over the, your uh, the headphones over oh, it? I think that one. could yeah, work. One, okay, so we're just doing a quick... So there we go, now <laughs> try now, because it almost adds as a bit of a holder. Oh, yeah. And so then if you just put the headphones over the top... I reckon over, like you could put it on crunch there. Crunch it down. Yeah, yeah crunch oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Better? Yeah, Real good. Great. DJ oh, okay. Wizard. Doing <laughs> <laughs> a New Year's Eve yeah, party. But, I can imagine that being quite a thing. That's, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. I never played Dungeons and Dragons ever in my life. I feel like potentially I could be a candidate for this. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. Um, so Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> This is this is this is life. This is impro, right? Uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, you have someone who's the dungeon master who sits behind a screen and rolls dice to determine the outcome of things, and then you have different players in a group, kind of just playing with what emerges with reality. And the, the beautiful thing about Dungeons and Dragons is it's an infinite game. It's not played for the purpose of winning. It's played for the purpose of continuing the play. And it, there's a kind of a mirrored reality to life itself because in life. You don't ever win at life. You might win in some of the minor games of life, but you not you don't play life to win or to mm. kind of beat everyone. You play it to kind of continue the play. And so Dungeons and Dragons is a really, really fun reflection of of the richer complexity of of real world life. Uh, that if you have a good mix of folks that um, uh, you know, that you can have some fun with in random situations. You know, you, you guys should get a dungeon master on someday. Well, we had, um, uh, yeah, your mate, Michael Bungay Stania. Oh, on, yes. And he right. said yeah, that yeah. he was going to be with his family and he tried it a year a year ago and he's like, it could have gone either way, but mm -hmm. I introduced the kids to Dungeons and Dragons. And so he was saying he was going to go play a, a heap of it up there because yeah. they love it. I still mm -hmm. didn't at that point understand what he was talking about. This I thought was, it was a board game or something. Yeah. Like, what, what is, what is and it? also the infinite game, like when do you go home? If it's the infinite game, well, like, how do you... <laughs> there, there are kind of narrative arcs that, you, mm -hmm. that can come to a certain conclusion. So it's, 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 it's imagine uh, it's mostly adults that play this and there's a bit of resurgence now because of uh, Stranger Things and um, other popular shows that are making D&D cool again, just like nerds are cool again um, somehow. Well, I started to tell myself. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you just sit around, you talk, um, and you have one person that's creating these uh, challenging scenarios that are threaded into a narrative and people are playing with the meaning making of like what would happen if this and that and, you know, the oh, living so into it's, it's like story 
telling, yeah. ad, ad, improv storytelling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine you guys. Imagine there was someone here providing the provocations and the scenarios and stuff like that, and enough of the subtext and the tension with certain characters that are appearing as non-player characters, and seeing how the dynamics of different players interact. And then there's also possibly secret motives of different players that they live out and act out in terms of how their characters work. It's- how much more fun is it when you drink red wine and do it? Yeah, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's like a balance though, right? Because you don't want to get too you don't want to get too reflective with this stuff. Um, I um yeah yeah there's there's this, there's this notion this is just emerging at the moment. Have you guys heard of LARPing? No, LARPing. Yeah, wow. Can we guess? Hang on, LARPing, laughing, harping on while laughing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. LARPing. It's live action role play. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. So this is, this is my life. I'm laughing all the time. That's Live it. Match. And so the notion of laughing reality has <laughs> become a, a thing where people are talking like That's what podcasting is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You you guys are in costume. Mm-hmm. You're showing up. You're doing the this thing. This is just some merch, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so laughing. So how do we integrate? Like, and so the Dungeons and the Dungeons and Dragons thing. Could we do it as a podcast? Would it be interesting? Like if we were to do once a month a Dungeons and Dragons episode with oh, the Gronks? Let me look it up if it, if it actually great. is a thing. Would that work? Uh, if you have a really good dungeon master, I can I can hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and how it's do you become how do you become a dungeon master? Like it seems like there's some I, sort of power I, power hungry I don't people. Know. Would be I don't know. I have a friend who has. Uh, uh, done a lot of improv. He's uh, done stuff in the different comedy festivals, written screen shows and stuff like that. Has an understanding of narrative arcs and tensions and stuff like that. So that, that could Oh, God, it's a whole bunch something. of actors that haven't yeah. sort of broken yet that have now got <laughs> into that. They've found yeah. a niche. Yeah. This yeah, is amazing. Right, yeah, to flex in between <laughs> yeah. sets. Yeah. <laughs> the, the book, um, so um, is it improv? Is there a book or improv? There is. There is or a improv. book called Impro. Yeah. Improv. 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 Yeah. And so Keith Johnston. And you're, it's all about like status and stuff like that. What That's is, a component. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, in any interaction, there are people um, kind of vying for higher status or lower status. Um, <clears throat> and this can be a fun dynamic. Like when you have situations, you know, that kind of like the improv game where someone said something bad about, uh, you know, um, the barista stuffed up my coffee order mm-hmm. this morning. And the next person says, ah, uh, yeah, you can afford coffee. You know, I had to have, you know, a recycled tea bag and yeah. stuff. It's like um, uh, recycling. I don't live in a society that has recycling. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it just kind of gets progressively worse as people are trying to lower <laughs> status to each other. Uh, it's kind of makes for fun improv. Um, mm. But it also shines an interesting uh, black mirror on the actual games that happen in everyday life where... Uh, we inadvertently create verticality between how we relate to each other. Mm. Uh, we put people up on pedestals or we kind of um, see people below us. And the the notion here is we need to remember, ideally, we try to cultivate only horizontal relationships with everyone that we work with. People are neither better than you nor worse than you, neither higher or lower. And then, and then if there are any kind of tensions that we play with, it is done in the spirit of play. Mm. Um, so just like mates can kind of play and uh, or a lot of mammals kind of play fight and stuff. Uh, that's how we relate to each other in society. But the trouble is when people start to internalize this, they literally think that they're better than other folks or they literally think they're not as good as other folks. And that's where all sorts of awkwardity emerges. The horizontal relationship thing, does that, could that also um, <laughs> create classism in regard, if it's not done correctly? So if you only do horizontal relationships not by bringing people up 
but only by connecting with those that are equal to you? Is that a... <laughs> that, that's kind of like, yeah, so underlying then there's like the notion of equal. As in, if yeah. you expand that to encompass all beings, mm -hmm. then you're probably fine. Um, but like if you're like, oh, I'm only going to really connect with people that are of this particular thing, mm -hmm. then you're kind of a little bit screwed because yeah. you're going to be cultivating a bit of a, a filter bubble. And then even then you might notice there's tensions within that group where mm. you're like, oh, that person's an idiot and da-da-da all natural and fine, but it's just how we relate and connect with each other. Just uh, if we can, uh, improv allows us to play with uh, variations and status and, and stuff, but reality, that game is still going on. And if we can kind of, um, uh, if we can not get swept up and identify so much with that and approach it with the spirit of infinite play, we may mm. be able to navigate with more fluidity and grace. Do, do you see life like a game? Oh, this is close. This is good. I, I see like I, there's a the phenomenal book that shaped my life immensely is a book called uh, Finite and Infinite Games, A Vision of Life as Play and Possibility. Um, there are at least two types of games. Uh, one could be considered finite. A finite game is a game that's played for the purpose of winning. An infinite game is for, played for the purpose of continuing the play. So finite players play uh, within boundaries. Infinite players play with boundaries. I'm quoting the book here. Only that which can change can continue is one of the first principles of infinite play. And so I don't like the word game because it has mm. so much uh, baggage to it. Like my, my first book was called The Game Changer. And some people were like, oh, so you're into gaming. And when they said gaming, they were like, <laughs> casino gambling, you know, <laughs> it's like, no, not right, not really. And then they went to like sports games and competitive things where you play to win. Um, it's a deeper philosophy than that. Uh, so yes, I guess uh, I consider life to be an infinite kind mm. of game. Um, and there's, there's a lot more richness and complexity to that notion um, than some people, there's, there is a board game called the game of life where the idea of the board game is you go through, you accumulate resources, you buy houses, you invest in shares and whatever, and whoever dies with the most money wins. And Sounds like just <laughs> what happens if you do barefoot? <laughs> and, uh, Does it have buckets, little buckets? <laughs> you just carry them walking I tell around. you what, barefoot should do a board game. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine that. Sense. Yeah, put it in the splurge. You know, you've got all the different... I can imagine That's actually yeah. probably a legitimately good yeah, idea yeah. for him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's listening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, next next Christmas, uh, keep your eye out. Anyway, so that, this is the stuff. Um, and this is kind of all of this stuff, for me, one of the biggest things that has emerged for me is, is this notion of fluidity of character, of not getting too caught up in who we think we are to the point that it prevents us from becoming who we need to be with, the, with whatever context is emerging. Um, <coughs> and I've, I've become recently fascinated by notions of existential crises and I because I think that I've kind of been mildly uh well not necessarily mildly but I've been enjoying one um for the last couple of years um a crisis <laughs> uh yeah like an existential crisis uh -huh. a kind of uh, as this is the the situation is usually triggered by a death divorce disaster displacement or other kind of calamities did you buy a sports car uh, that's typically what would happen right oh, yeah. so people would go through back in the day um people would have a career path remember that language mm, career yeah. path where there's like one single path and they'd work really hard and they'd earn the promotions and that eventually in their mid 40s or whatever they'd have achieved everything and they'd be kind of thinking is that it and mm -hmm. then they'd be like hang on shit well who am I outside of the context of work here and what does any of this what does this all mean and this kind of the the kind of the scaffolding of their 
worldview starts to fall apart and they're like shit well, I, I used to be cool man i used to like do and then they go buy a motorbike and they kind of do these things and i try to kind of uh form an, a, a new version of identity post that achievement and for some folks it would be regressing back to an earlier form uh and uh well, that's sometimes what minimalism is right in a lot of ways if you think about like if you hear the people who find minimalism, it's normally they've gone the other way first. They've had heaps of shit yeah. and then sort of brought it back down. Well, that's that's the other thing too is this kind of post-material phase of life where you realise that meaning is not by the accumulation of material stuff. Um, uh, I find that, you know, hipsters and hippies are very good at realising this. It's kind of like there's 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 a kind of meaning, uh, meaningness that can be cultivated through simple things, through, you know, patching up your clothes, through old records and stuff. And the thing is, like, nowadays we don't have a career path. It's not a linear path. And these midlife crises are happening much more early and much more often for more folks than ever before. And the thing that's different nowadays, we have streaming and, uh, you know, gaming and all sorts of distractions so that people actually don't spend time addressing these deeper niggling questions around hang on, am I actually happy here? Who am I? What is actually meaningful? What am I doing with my life? And mm. and so for years, potentially these questions go unanswered whilst we kind of, you know, subsume algorithmically fed uh, content that inevitably informs and shapes who we are. Um, so I've become fascinated by those that are feeling the angst and thinking, okay, how can we be more pro productive? How can we more be more generative with this kind of dark patch? Um, and... Uh, yeah, and so one of the practices that I end up doing is uh, every year, particularly around this year, I'm lucky. Uh, my abbreviation, my stage name abbreviation is DJF, Dr. Jason Fox. Yeah, so yeah. December, January, February is my time to kind of do this reflective bit. Mm. Um, and that sets me up for July, August, September, October, November, which is Jason. Um, so uh, so <laughs> the calendar is rigged for my favour. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've had this process of going deep into choosing one word to cast forth 12 months into the future. Sorry, we just need to give that Jason thing a bit more. Right, so <laughs> yeah. That's July, August, September, October, November, Jason. That that's, is, that's that is phenomenal. That's, that's pretty so good. Actually, good. When you said it first, I thought that you skipped the A or something. <laughs> no, just I was trying to work. work it out. That's why we needed to skip <laughs> yeah, it. Right. So I thought it was like, okay, July, September. No, yeah. that won't, but there's that's August. Amazing. Yeah. That should be your, your holiday. I should just take that off. It, it, <laughs> I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. Tweaked so, to me in primary school when I saw it. Really? So, hang on. That's how, did that, how does that yeah. come about? How do you work that out? <laughs> you just see the slayer of For me, so my, my one, which is I thought was good. Yeah, yeah, what's that? I'm born in 1988. Yeah. I was born on the f I was born on the 1st of the 9th, 88. Which oh, one nine eight eight? If you were to just to do one nine and then slash eight eight for the yeah. year eighty eight, nineteen eighty eight, first ninth mm. eighty eight. Oh, that's good. I quite like that, but mm. fuck, yeah, that's yeah. That's pretty good. I'm that's never going to speak of that again because I just heard yours. <laughs> I love it though. Don't you love it when those those moments that are that emerge? Like we've had that a few times where this is the last time it will be the eleventh of the eleventh, two thousand and eleven. Mm. You know, and but now we're going to go into a new millennium, and that'll screw with all of those. What does it know. all mean though? Do do you find are we placing meaning in it, or does it actually mean He's something? He's wearing a wizard hat. So be careful. Ah, yes. What does it all mean? Um, I think that uh, the world, generally speaking, has has um, possibly some. Uh, how do we say this? Um, um, meaning. It's best to relate to meaning in terms of meaningness. And one of the most profound 
sources of insight for me personally has been a site called meaningness.com, which was started by someone who was uh, originally doing a lot of research in artificial intelligence back in the early days, the naive days where they were trying to create uh, a kind of consciousness and realized that this path isn't going to work Mm. and then took him deeper into, I think he's a monk now, but also a researcher and writer, uh, into exploring the nature of consciousness and how we make meaning. Um, so meaningness.com is, is it a blog. It's a, it's a kind of like a, a hyper book, like a, like a, a book, but with lots of hyperlinks that's kind of living and it's cool. Does it yeah. look like old school? Is it like, like 90, like HTML sort of, sort of, style? Sort of almost, almost, um, it's got a nice cream background mm-hmm. and uh, a lovely, you know, serif font. Um, and so the idea is like meaningness <clears throat> refers to both both meaning and meaninglessness. So meaningfulness and meaninglessness. And meaningness, the way that we talk about meaning, it's neither subjective nor objective. It's kind of this nebulous yet patterned intersubjective thing. So mm-hmm. some people go through a dark patch of life where they're like nothing seems meaningful and they have these superficial forms of nihilism, which means that they, they believe that nothing's meaningful and they can't find any meaning in life. And, and that's very relatable because of all the bullshit in society at the moment. Um, and also Are those people just not grateful. Cause I mean, if you were to th- stop and think what, yeah. Cause I mean, can you mm-hmm. be nihilistic? Is that the right word? And grateful at the same time? This is, this is, that's, that's an interesting question. Like the, the notions of juxtaposition are really, really important. Um, this is what we'd call both ending. Um, so you're, you're kind of taking a hybridized or you oscillate between the different poles or you juxtapose those two views. And that's quite uh, mature and healthy. But this notion of gratitudes is one of the ways of really bringing meaning back into life. And it's, it's one of the things that, yeah, people get, people lose sight of. Uh, so they become nihilistic because people are fixating on hustling on a global stage where we're kind of um, so distracted all the time. We're pursuing hollow uh, achievement metrics. But when we bring it back to simple things that we're grateful for, little things like mm. you, the coffee you brought me this morning, this has changed my, this has changed the, I don't know, the outlook of the whole year ahead, right? Thanks, man. <laughs> it's, it's, Thanks. It was, it was phenomenal. I was, I was angsting. But what about I, climate change? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. that's like the issue with this, right? Like yeah. you can be grateful for these smaller things, but then there's all, I feel like the nihilism comes from uh, the world's fucked, we're fucked. I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know what to do. I keep buying the reusable, uh, the disp- disposable yeah, so cups and all. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not doing that. That's a thing. But there's all these, <laughs> there's all of this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I just remembered my. Um, it doesn't matter now, but my fridge meal is in my bag. It's I should fine, put that in the mate. fridge. That's fine. Anyway, so big, small. Yeah, I say the people who are in that nihilistic state thinking nothing matters haven't I think there's probably a moment taking from uh, mindfulness or meditation Mm. practice where you actually sit back from that because that's in a state of judgment if you're not thinking anything has meaning it's actually a a thought or you've wrapped some thinking around what it all means Mm. and if you pull back from that there's another position which 
is just it is. And just to be fair, and I want to kind of go to mm-hmm. the uh, you know the deep existential angst that's afflicting many of us these days with regards to the multidimensional uh, crisis of ecological devastation and systemic inequality and the meaning crisis. Um, but this the other side of this, you've got nihilism. You've also got what David Chapman describes as uh, eternalists, where they see meaning in every single thing. Mm. Um, and this this is might may partly explain kind of the resurgence of astrology and other forms where everything is significant and meaningful. Mm. And so back to your juxtaposition thing, you've got nihilism, everything's meaningless and it's kind of a judgmental thing. And you've got uh, eternalism where everything is meaningful that has a fixed eternal meaning. And uh, neither of those stances are necessarily true or apt, but there is something that exists in the nebulosity betwixt and between those spaces where something like mindfulness, where you kind of, you get a chance to observe and reflect on that. That helps us mm. to see a path. But it's understandable that people are feeling a bit of despair now. Um, mm. You know, in Australia with the bushfires and everything going on and uh, the, the the kind of the existential angst of that, I, I'm gonna, I can't help myself. And you guys mentioned this on uh, Michael Bungestenia's, uh, the chat that you had with him earlier. Metamodernism has mm-hmm. been something that I've found really helpful uh, in that it is a synthesis of um, deep skepticism and cynicism about our outlook for the future, com- coupled with like an optimism and a naive uh, hopefulness. It's like a romantic response to crisis. It's kind of like, yeah, we're all fucked, but that's not necessarily a helpful stance to say, let's let's actually act as though there is hope and there's possibility that we can work our way out of this because, hey, we might be wrong and there might actually be hope uh, through this. Mm. And so that kind of juxtaposition of like showing up in a form that is positive and hopeful and optimistic, whilst also th- suspecting that, yeah, may- maybe we're in over our heads here and that, you know, we're on the pathway to mass extinction. Um, that if you can navigate that tension, mm. you might be able to just save yourself from tipping over back into nihilism and the abyss. I was thinking about death the other day and specifically what if we view death as like, so like I feel like something that faith or religion has on people who aren't is that they've got like a story for post the life or whatever or yes. like when you die. And I thought what about if I just went into like life thinking that the experience of death is actually the most amazing thing ever. Like actually, like whenever it happens, it is mm. awesome. I don't have to think about it, worry about it, but it allows you to be present. Mm. Is that mm. like a is that a thing, or am I a bit? It's a, no, no, it's, it's actually very good. I mean, one of the things that has people uh, accumulate and hoard material possessions and act in more selfish and defensive ways is a kind of deep seated fear of death. The kind of uh, an inability to reconcile with our own mortality. And I think contemplating our own demise, our death, the the reminder that we're here fleetingly, which then reminds us to be grateful and to kind of invest in the, uh, in the relationships and things around mm-hmm. us, it, it helps us to mature into a, a, a better, a more benevolent uh, and abundant disposition. It's, it mm-hmm. kind of allows us to... Um, you know, this notion of a story, we can't help but make meaning of things. We just, we look back, all of us right now have a story about who we are and where we are in life. And, um, and that's a kind of narrative fallacy. We look back at moments in our life and we can't help, they may not be connected, but we can't help but draw meaning and, and make a coherent thread of a story of who we are. Is that um, safe? Like uh, for ourselves internally, it feels better to do that. I to- don't think that we, I think, I don't think we can do any other way. Mm. I mean, 
Because it, it doesn't always service the stories. The stories aren't always – they can sometimes oh, yeah. be If we obsess and fixate mm-hmm. and polish and preen and, uh, our stories, they be- can become tyrannical narratives. Um, and this is worrying when people say, I've always had a dream, you know, when I was – ever since I was four years old, I wanted to da-da-da, and they kind of build this into their identity and then it becomes like a calcified, ossified, rigid, fixed uh, – like suit of armor that they can't escape from and they become prisoners in the story of their own making. Is that extremism? Like if, if you look at like what puts people out mm. into fighting wars or get like going overseas and doing that sort of stuff, where do you think that actually mm-hmm. comes from? And is there the, cons- like is media over communicating that worry or with this sort of crisis mode that we're in, are we actually going to have more extremism across the board? That's a really good question. And uh, the, the answer is yes. I mean, all extremism is, I would say, is based upon a set of beliefs which are informed by narratives, which are informed by norms within society. Um, you know, we think about there's some internet forums that will radicalize folks. So, folks that are kind of uh, feeling dejected by mainstream society or don't actually have a natural community that can hang out with, they find this space and it kind of becomes a way of you know, they get the feedback loops, they feel a sense of meaning and connection and stuff like that and become radicalized in particular belief. I think that uh, therefore it's very useful for us to have um, a healthy distance from our own beliefs, like mm. or, or at least an ironic disposition. So one of the other tenets of metamodernism is, is ironic sincerity or sincere irony. Sincerity is where you work with a single point of truth where, you know, I've always known, here's, let me tell you what I know to be true. Irony is where you acknowledge, actually, there's multiple perspectives here. There's Mm. multiple versions of truth. And the trouble is when people are in pure sincerity, it can seem like they're a bit of a simpleton. Like it seems like they're a little bit too narrow, too too much conviction, and haven't really considered things beyond their own personal point of view. The trouble with irony, if you're in pure irony, is that you're, oh, look at you, you're so clever, you know, um, but no one really knows what do you really think, what do you really feel, what do you really believe, because you're all just, oh, look at me, I'm, you know, I've got the smart, witty, witty replies, and the beautiful thing is the juxtaposition of irony and sincerity, where you can show up with tentative beliefs, like a tentative stance, that if it doesn't actually work or isn't, doesn't serve or you realise actually there's a better way here, you can let go of fluidly to embrace a, a better form. Putting like... Uh the like um i love <coughs> jesus or putting like the uh crucifix or whatever in your instagram bio yeah or what do they say like a son of jesus is that what people say what do people say like they put mm. like a um like if if they're religious communicating that in an instagram bio mm-hmm. what do you think that that's trying to to communicate it's probably trying to communicate a certain set of values, a sense of belonging to a particular community and a disposition way of looking things. I'm <clears throat> There's probably a younger version of me that was more in, uh, in, in kind of indoctrinated in the dogma of scientism that would have scoffed and, you know, played the atheist card. Um, nowadays, I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more curious and trying not to presuppose what it might mean mm. because we realize that it could mean a whole bunch of things. Like, um, uh, Is it identity? I guess the if it's in your bio, there's a sense that you associate your identity to it. Here we go. Which potentially I worry that through, I don't know how you can have a conversation potentially or the, cr- the critical nature of it seems to be potentially lost when identity is associated to something. So this is an example of LARPing, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the bios that you create for your social media, you're presenting a certain aspect of your otherwise infinitely complex um, selfness mm-hmm. to the world. So you're thinking, I want to show up and I'm just going to choose to shine a light on this facet of myself. Like minimalism. Like if you said in your Instagram bio, mm. I'm a minimalist, yeah. I'd be less likely to have it feel comfortable with having a critical conversation on minimalism because it would feel like a personal attack on that person's identity rather than I know, an open conversation. I know, it's, it's, it's hard. I, I don't know how you guys do this. Um, you, you do it so deftly with, when it comes to interviewing folks because I've, I've had folks on my, uh, my <laughs> poultry podcast of, of a mere, I can't even remember how many episodes I've had. It's certainly- 40 something? 49. Uh, 49? Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's no 500 and whatever, you know, yeah, you guys have got. But I've had times where I've had people come over, uh, you know, I've chatted with them and they identify as an expert in something. And I realize, oh, I've actually got a quite a, you know, a set of questions here that might undermine your expertise <laughs> yeah, and authority. It's so funny. I don't know what to do because I care about you and your reputation. And, you know, this is being recorded. At the same time, if you are an expert, expert. I don't mm. actually like the term expert, by the way, because mm. it implies a finality. I mean, most of us are all just learning as we go along. And some people have expertise as mm. in more time learning in that domain. But I think it's unhelpful to call ourselves expert or master. You know, I've mastered this. Um, so yeah, I get trapped. Like, so if someone said to call themselves a minimalist and then you happen to know about some of the early philosophers of minimalism and you wanted to ask them about that and you can see that kind of flinch in their eye where you realize you just dropped a name that they have no idea what they're talking about what you're talking yeah. about and then they're kind of you you know and they know that you know that you're they're trying to bluff their way through an answer <laughs> fuck it gets meta right and yeah. like say and then you've got to g- gently cradle them because you know, they're so wrapped up in their identity around mm-hmm. this and this is the thing, any kind of arguments or disagreements like this becomes uh, an ontological affront. Our ontology is our worldview. Everything that we that's shaped us uh, about how we see the world, what we oh. value, what we how we make judgments. If you're sudden, suddenly undermining someone's sense of identity, how they show up in the world, um, that's, that's a tricky territory mm-hmm. to play in. Um, and all of this stuff is, look, if we, can, if we can just be more curious and kind and loosen our grip on who oh. we think we are, it may just allow us to become a more apt version of self. It may allow us to grow into uh, versions of self that are, is more congruent and coherent with the time and situation that we mm-hmm. find ourselves in. Well, I think the the master or the guru or the um, the, per, the the person who know, like what was the word you use? Um, expert. 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 Yeah, so you should paint, painting yourself as an expert and being on LinkedIn. There's a million video experts. <laughs> and for a moment, I think you got, yeah, have you actually yeah. made a video mm. that's got more than 200 views? Mm. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. And so I get that point, but I see where it serves yeah. as sort of crafting it so someone can make a instant judgment, which is the bio thing, right? That's so a right. finite game. That's pe- I, don't but, which so is then, part of the infinite game. Yeah. yeah, and so how does that serve the infinite game if it is yeah. the f- well, totally, because we're all participating in our own myth-making here. A, a myth is a story that is retold and retold for the sake of its retelling. And, the, for example, the more I show up as a wizard, um, and I hope that people get the kind of ironic note here, like um, po- hopefully the viewers realise I didn't actually teleport in today. It was under the desk. And not, we haven't added any effects, <laughs> yeah. so there is no uh, confusing teleportation. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> just you never know. Anyway, so uh, um, the kind of the for me, mm-hmm. I, I've chosen wizard persona because I have discomfort with the term thought leader. 
And that's another thing on LinkedIn. Everyone's a thought leader nowadays. Everyone's also self-published their own book. So everyone's an author uh, and everyone's an expert of some description and everyone's a speaker nowadays. And so if there was an archetype that kind of encapsulates uh, kind of like the suggestion that there's some knowledge and wisdom, but doesn't necessarily subscribe to the same standard, uh, you know, expert thought leader, da, 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 mm. uh, wizard could be it for me. And it's a, it's a role that I can play. So it comes back to the bios that we create, the signals that we put out in the world shape how others perceive us to be. And when we think about it, you only appear in other people's lives in certain moments. Like a lot of people uh, around this time, end of year, they're catching up with family friends back at home that they haven't seen all year. And then these family friends will say something like, oh yeah, how'd you go with that thing that we we're talking about 12 months ago? And you realize, oh shit, they've got such an outdated version of who mm -hmm. I am right now. I have to kind of update them. And so their view of who you are is only seen in these snapshots. And so then it gets us thinking, but not thinking too hard, not trying to craft or preen or present or, or be fake versions, but it does makes us realize how we show up in the world influences how who people perceive us to be. Mm. And so your bios and all the other things then shapes this kind of interesting character. And if we think about it, if we think about life as though we're not the central protagonist here, life is not all about us. We actually show up as characters in the lives of others. And then gets us mm. thinking, how do we want to show up in the world? And hopefully we orientate towards showing up in a way that's more uh, kind and encouraging and in a way that uh, brightens and enlivens and enriches the, the lives of those around us. I'm, I'm sure you've, I mean, I'm sure there's people watching this, listening, who have been told the advice or read that they should become a thought leader, an expert, a guru in their specific field. And if you look at it as a box, inside of the box is that sort of mantra or thinking. Outside is the bold move of becoming a wizard that not everybody can do. And and if you believe, like, I don't think I'll be a wizard or put on some persona. I don't think I want to go an expert route. Where do you land? What is, what is the alternative? Because I think it probably doesn't do a good job if you're like, I know quite a bit about this, you know, the comms of oh, that yeah, message. Yeah, totally. So where does, the, where does it land if you don't feel right being the expert or trying yeah. to, because you'll get unstuck because so you know that will happen. If I think about you guys with it when it comes to video production, <laughs> like <laughs> there's this beautiful thing where, uh, and this is the beautiful, probably the message for everything, everyone. Um, like, even though, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a wizard, of course, I try, yeah, <laughs> uh, I try not to, I try not to bang on too you much be about so that exhausted by the end, um, <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's, it's a funny thing. So the, the videos that you guys, you've, you've, you've found, uh, at least to my perspective, and I, and I've shopped around a, a kind of, uh, like a unique style of disposition, a, a way of unearthing a realness, uh, that doesn't use the standard bag of tricks that many folks do. There's a kind of, um, I don't know, it's, it's similar in how this manifests in the show here, kind of an ability to get beneath the surface narratives uh, to kind of really unearth the human beneath it all. I, I love that. And it's kind of like continue doing that great work and sharing that work. And you kind of don't need to talk up the work itself or who you are because the work speaks for itself. Uh, and similarly in my world, uh, it's less about what I say about myself and more about the the thoughts and the, the writing and the, and the mm. stuff that I share in the world. And my warriors with the whole thought leader thing is, uh, and I, I, I love thought leadership in the early days. I think it, it was really, really good. And then, and then it just became as all things do. That's just like even mindfulness now is becoming corrupted by consultants and capitalism. Um, 
I, I worry that now nowadays thought leaders, it's much more obsessed around, you know, how, what, how you write your bios, how you present in the world, what, what clothes you wear, mm. what your colors and logos. And, and it's all that superficial shit instead of actually, well, what, you know, if we look at thought leadership specifically, real thought leadership is suspect. Like a real thought leadership is like, hang on, I don't really, I don't, I don't know. What, where did that come from? Because mm. it, it, that's actually leadership because you're so out of the field from where most people are thinking. Well, it's not as polished. Yeah, it's because, not, it's, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's raw, it's, it's real, it's emerging, it's still in draft. Mm. Most of the thought leadership that people experience in LinkedIn and stuff is just the conventional narratives that been, has been polished again and maybe presented in a very, very slightly new light. Mm. Um, are you playing in the, is it called the second simplicity? Is that the... Uh, second simplicity refers to the fact that in complexity, um, one might find these fractal simplicities, this kind of re reoccurring patterns. So if you look at a fern that's unfurling, you'll see patterns within the fern because the fern's like a fractal, same as broccoli and cauliflower and stuff. And so second simplicity refers to the fact that some people have spent enough time exploring the complexity that they've identified a pattern that's like, ah, oh, yeah, this, this kind of, this holds true. The trouble with second simplicity is people can uh, ape that and you'll have people saying the same thing as a first version of simplicity without having to, without having done that exploration work. So is that the thought leadership stuff then? People are coming up and saying, Jason's doing, Jason's got the speaker's uh, guide or whatever, you know, like the booklet and it's got the, the website and he wears a wizard hat. And so they do all that sort of stuff, but they don't understand the strategy, the irony. Well, so here's the thing, right? So um, I've, I've, I've launched this program called Choose One Word, uh, chooseoneword.com, an annual ritual of becoming, a, a way to practice fluidity in who we are and who we might become. I'll just stop you right there. We need to give uh, kudos to where kudos is due. Oneword.com, what a domain. Choose one word. Choose one word. Let's just say it one more time. Choose one word.com. Amazing debate. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And cleverness. Cleverness.com, I think, is even a He's a wizard. That's right, yeah. I also have the quibble. The quibble. The quibble. But the the kind of, like, if you got a the in there, it kind of, yeah. Not good? No. The I, I Daily like... Talk Show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've got the, Tom... your identity there. <laughs> the Tommy jacket. <laughs> no, I've, I think there is a thing about Facebook. It's oh, hang on, no, no, it's no, on Facebook. Oh, yeah, right, right. And so I, but I think that potentially. Oh, we lose the the. No, yeah. that is back. I think ah. that it's almost like, I think what Facebook has become, as soon as they dropped the the, they became this capitalist, capitalistic ah, sort of yeah. IPO'd, you know, company that lost yeah. all of its soul. So, the, yeah, like I interrupted the, you, you've got your website. The, the, oh, so this yeah. is the thing, right? So we're talking about second simplicities, mm -hmm. first simplicities. Um, choose one word, right? Mm -hmm. How freaking hard is it to just choose one word? And mm -hmm. so there's folks out there that will, you know, um, so here's how you can pick your word. Uh, <laughs> pick is an interesting choice. Um, and and Why? Yeah, what's, what's Oh, well, you think about the semantics and linguistics and the, the kind of the, the tone of pick. Pick. What rhymes with pick? You know, stick, dick, dick lick. Yeah. You know, it's just... It prick. Doesn't, prick. prick. Yeah. It doesn't have a bunch... Like, it doesn't... It doesn't uh, Too sound good. It's, it's yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit like that. And a, a pick, you know, it's like mm -hmm. uh, whereas like choose or find, or the, the kind of there's a softer, there's a more, it's a different, there's a different quality to that word. Um, so of course though, discover. Uh, yes, discover. Yeah, um, of course. So we, we can, <laughs> I'm trying to think about the words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, Well, you can, you can two more. Claim, you think claim the one. domain. Discover your word. <laughs> <laughs> no, discover I like one choose. word. Choose um, one word. 
Com. So the, this kind of online program that I put together has uh, about 75 videos and more than, uh, I think more than six hours of content to help people to uh, choose their word for the year. It involves deep exploration, self-knowledge, self-development, self-actualization. Mm. And I also know that uh, it could equally, people could arrive at the first simplicity and just go out there and pick a word that sounds good at the moment. My tr I, I did a presentation um, just a, a couple of days ago and in my keynotes, I introduced the topic to them. And then afterwards, the uh, CEO came and thanked me, you know, as they do, and I said, and now I reckon I've got my word. My word is pride. I'm so proud of this group, and I think my word next year is going to be pride. And I thought, oh, dude, that is a shit word. <laughs> uh, like, just like, can you just put a little bit more thought into this? Yeah. My issue with the word pride, right, is it's this typically masculine uh, approach of appropriating other people's achievements. So the team's <laughs> done amazing work. Yes. I'm so proud of you. I'm, I I am so proud of you. Yeah, where's the um, re responsibility? I mean, you could it could be I want to act uh, in the way that I would be proud of yeah. retrospectively. I don't know, but I, was, I see where you're yeah, it's totally. like, So the one word thing, um, how long have you been doing this for? Because I feel like maybe 2015, I think I saw a presentation. I filmed one, I think, that it was around the one word, st word stuff, like one of the agile conferences potentially. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, when yeah. I was at Invado. I've been speaking about this for a good nine years. I and think. so the, yeah. the idea is rather than goals, uh, news resolutions, mm. It's, it is that. Is it? Is this the second simplicity, like coming up with one word, or how would you describe it? Is, it? I would say it does have a fractal simplicity to it. One of the charms I love about <clears throat> choosing one word is that if you're a young person and you've still got a beautiful naivety about you, you're still believing in everything and the universe is wonderful and enchanted, it works for you. If you're a jaded, sceptical person who is kind of lost a sense of meaning and sees the life real, as really complex but can't actually find any solid ground to make meaning, the, the one word process still works for you. Mm. It works for busy folks. It works for it, the, the part of the gift of choosing one word is if you choose a word that is, has enough social stickiness that it's got like enough fuck yeah quality to it. Like that's mm -hmm. just like, Oh, that's a good word. Like your friends remember that. And then through the year they check in with you occasionally. Like, uh, I think your word was doing an archetype. Like, so this time, Last year, no, it was jam. We bumped into yeah, you yeah, at the yeah, coffee yeah, shop, every day, yeah. and you and I had spoken about it. And we, right. uh, we'd chosen our words, and then we saw you. Mine was deliberate consumption. Cons yeah, yeah. Con um, and yours is consistent. So this is what's fucked up. No, I remember mine. Yeah. I'm trying to remember yours. Yours was deliberate, deliberate consumption. No, 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 I think it was conscious, 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 conscious consumption. consumption. I fucked it. <laughs> conscious so, consumption. And so the thing is, I think, like in upon reflection, speaking to you. <clears throat> it potentially falls into that sort of pride, sort of being proud because it doesn't, because you, what if it has, it's not as dangerous as yeah. the pride thing that you're not going to be evoking feelings of shame potentially mm -hmm. as, which is the shadow side of pride. So what were, what have your words been previously? Um, Oh, so this year, what's, what's uh, 2019? The year of the fool uh, mm -hmm. is about inverting paradigms and embracing philosophies that may have me be laughed at, which is kind of why I've ramped up metamodernism as mm -hmm. a, as a thing. Uh, Which you and I are always sort of butting heads on because when I film you, I say, 
Do do a dance. Oh yeah, like, be more oh, foolish. Fool, yeah. <laughs> He's trying to get me to dance on a rock the other day, um, uh, which is great. I, I have a more mythic lens of the fool. Um, if you think about the tarot card mm. of the fool, uh, you know the you know the little sack on the end of a stick walking off in society, being sure. chased by a dog. Um, jester, have, have you been a jester? I'll before? take us through. So uh, I had rogue, which was more about me finding my own way. I had mm. kingly, which was more about me stepping up and stop elevating everyone around me. I had a year of the word prime, and prime I think falls in the same trap that uh, Friday delivery. But yeah, that was, an Amazon was more like prime numbers. It was far too abstract. People couldn't remember it. I couldn't remember it. And, oh, and um, what was it? Try- what were you trying to do with that? I was. I was. I felt like a. I think I was turning thirty-one. It was just a prime number. I felt like it was. I was in the prime of my life. I thought it was time to go prime time in terms of having more visibility and showing up in the world. <laughs> there was a bunch of eloquent meaning wrapped up into it, but it didn't serve me as a word because it didn't have enough social stickability. Like it's just mm. not, didn't have that fuck yeah quality mm-hmm. to it. Um, I, after Prime, I had Pirate. Pirate had a mm-hmm. lot of fuck yeah quality yeah, to yeah. it. Um, uh, being jolly, drinking more rum, exploring my uh, uncharted territories, looking after my mates, being commercially savvy and buoyant. I then had the year of the gentleman pirate um, or gentleman. Now, gentleman had the root word of invest. I got to a point in life where I realized that I'm kind of squandering like opportunities here and stuff. I want to invest, invest in like quality in all things, to be a paragon of aplomb, to actually care about stuff. Invest itself though is a pretty boring word, but as something that is more lively in other people's worlds, I was thinking, okay, invest, invest. Well, who is vest? Vest, oh, gentleman. Oh yeah, this is kind of like a gentleman explorer, gentleman pirate. And that's, I love know, that. <laughs> you know, uh, with the year of pirate, people are like, oh, yar. And I was like, no, no, it's more like your. Um, so <laughs> gentleman pirate. And then I had the jester. Jester was about telling truth to those in positions of power. I was doing a lot of more work with CEOs and stuff. And uh, then I had the year of the wizard, which was all about going deep into my tower and writing my book and exploring the cosmos. Here I am in the year of the fool. And what's next year? <clears throat> have you ever yeah, worked it yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I suspect, and, you know, I, I try not to leap to words. So this has been a process of percolating. Mm. I was playing with the word supervillain for some time. Um, <laughs> I like it. Uh, I was playing so with hyphenation's the, okay? Uh, yeah, you can also write that word without the hyphenation. Okay, sorry. Hey, no rules, man. <laughs> um but uh, so supervillain, because I, I, I kind of, I'm pissed off by heroes sometimes. They're, they're kind of the hero interventionists, the <laughs> consultants or whatever that think they have all the answers and come in and end up causing more problems than, they, um, than they're, they're solving. But then the Joker came out and supervillain just kind of had a different, different, you know, quality to <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, with like uh, mass shootings and stuff like that going on in the world. <laughs> yeah, do we need another yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we don't need um, another supervillain. I do like supervillains that are kind of clever and thinking about how can we solve the ecological crisis? Mm-hmm. You know, mm. the uh, ends justifies the means, but <clears throat> it had too much darkness. So I've oscillated to um, uh, the word bard. Uh, like a bard is like an entertainer. How do you spell it? B-A-R-D. B-A-R-D. Yeah, it's a word. That's a word. Yeah, it's a character class in Dungeons and Dragons too. Um, <laughs> uh, minstrel or scold, uh, travager. What I've noticed, particularly for this word, is the last two words that I've had, wizard and fool, have mm-hmm. drawn me away from society, have drawn me like into my own cave. And this is a year about coming 
coming back into having more visibility, being more prominent. I set up a mm. good rhythm with um, you guys to get some filming done mm. regularly so we can have more films going out in the world, which I, I love. And so so for me, it kind of guides me to see a bit more poetry and things to kind of mm. have a little bit more and to bring a bit more enchantment rather than darkness and bitterness, which as I've done in the past. So um, the word I chose, which in the moment of telling you the cafe, you said you're already nailing it and it was consistency mm. and Retrospectively, I think that I chose a word that I knew was working and I wanted to ramp that up. Mm. And so this year I've been more consistent in the things that I've applied myself to than any other year of my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, And I feel like then uh, moving into a new year, I've built the muscle around that to keep it going. Is the idea that a new word, new year is not uh, sort of pushing that aside or no, no, you take on and you subsume the stuff you assimilate because okay. um, it's still part of who you are. That's now. why you're it's... wearing a wizard outfit oh, in yeah, 2019. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wizard was 2018. That's yes. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm still the pirate as well. <laughs> all, all of the things. Um, uh, it's, it's a kind of, it's, it's a, it's a, it's self growth. It's self development. Mm -hmm. You're kind of, I, I really like that notion of consolidating. So it's not, mm. you know, you might've had some good consistency, but you could just you could just think, oh, cool, I've got it sorted, and mm. not really bed that down. Uh, so I think that's that's marvelous, and you don't lose that. That's still part of what you do. But it might just be that another aspect of your own growth edge comes into focus. Mm. And so this is why I think that with the choosing a word for a year, it's not helpful for for people to choose. Like a lot of people choose things like ah, oh, love, happiness, balance, and these are kind of eternal things that we'd probably want in every single year. It's not mm -hmm. like not, not in one particular year, every single year. So it's worth them thinking, all right, well, given what I know about who I am, given what I know about the patterns that exist in, in life as I lead it, given what I know about the frictions and the tensions and the fulfillment factors and the hidden commitments and conflicting values that I experienced in, in the years beforehand, what might be a directionality to lean into? What might be something that I, I could just foster and cultivate and grow a little bit more, knowing that I'll probably stumble? Because the thing about choosing one word is it's not a goal. You're not kind of trying to narrow your focus and try to win at that. It's more like a, a for want of a better word, a north star, a guide, mm. a beacon to guide you in the complexities of life. Mm. So I'd be curious to see what, you know, after some reflection and what, like what might be something you want to lean into. And then if you end up with a word that's something like consistency or mm. conscious consumption, playing with that for a little while and seeing what's a, you know, an, uh, an archetype word or an aspect word that may show up. Like when mm -hmm. I say aspect, um, I mean, like if I would say it's the year of the tiger, people might have a sense of, oh, oh, like ferocity or, mm. you know, if I was to say it's the year of the lion, what does that evoke for you? Tigers and lions, I sort of, they merge into one for me. Okay. If I was to say it was the year of the um, peacock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're uh, Yes, definitely standing out. Mm, yeah. Resplendent, mm -hmm. flourishing, you know. Mm -hmm. it's a, so, yeah. so you can choose like a particular, if you find your, what's your intention mm. and then play with it and think, okay, what's a fuck yeah word that I can drop in so my social bad. ecology? Potentially, I'm worried about the social stickiness of it. I've played with this. So, yeah, it's one of the things um, uh, I had. A, I was going to use the word Faye one day. No mm -hmm. one knows what Faye is. No one knows what the Faye folk is. I've met Faye before. Uh, <laughs> She's lovely. <laughs> F-E-Y or F-A-E. Um, Bard. And this is something I, I still like. I'm, I've still got a softness to this. It mm -hmm. might be something that I still need to spin a little bit more. Um so like the, the year of Jester, I was mm -hmm. really trying to tap into fae, fae folk, fairy folk, you mm -hmm. know, the, the folk that uh, uh, is, uh, is bringing about magical realism in the world. Bard might, 
uh, it's very strong for me, but I might just need to tilt or jilt it a little bit to kind of work a little bit more. Like the most mundane version of that would be entertainer um, mm-hmm. uh, or show person. So where's know? the nuance in it? So Bard, because if you teach us Bard, then we can make sure that we keep you accountable. So can you describe exactly? <laughs> if you change, we're happy. What, yeah. So what is Bard? So how do you describe it? So layering onto the entertainer thing. So it's an entertainer, okay. All right, cool. but the nuance is... Okay, so I'm, I'm going to draw heavily from uh, Dungeons & Dragons here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to play a bard class in, in Dungeons & Dragons, they are like a, a master of all things, uh, but a speci- not so much a specialist of any particular things. They pick up different skills. And I've, I like that notion of being a generalist. I think that, I mean, shit, you, the stuff that you guys do, the number of conversations, you're building this kind of pool of knowledge, and that appeals to me. So... In terms of principles, though, the things that I personally need to lean into reflecting on the previous years is uh, bringing more enchantment and liveliness and brightness into the world. I kind of, for the last two years, I've been sidling up talking about how... That's mine. That's a nightmare. Sorry, my... <laughs> no worries at all. Talking about how, um, uh, you know, how fucked the world is and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's not really... That's, that's, I don't think that's serving the world as well as it could be. So trying to bring a bit more enchantment and liveliness. There's also a, a nimbleness and grace. Like, so I'm trying to cultivate more lightness and play in my own world instead of being heavy and serious. And so part of the art of a performer is you work with reality. So whatever reality dishes are up to you, you improvise, you respond fluidly. And I also, uh, there's a kind of a way of embracing the notion of poetry. And I don't mean that in terms of like a bunch of words that rhyme. I mean that in terms of how can we smuggle in kinds of truth that don't otherwise work in conventional ways. So for me, it's like, how do we show up in society and how all of my things, I tend to try to play with a trickster thing. Like I, I speak to large corporate audiences that I know that there are many plants within the organizations that are just waiting to, or working their way into positions of influence so they can pull the levers on the right things. But I also know this is wonderful quote from a book called the name of the wind. It's a fantasy book. Um, by Patrick Rothfuss. And one of the Fae is explaining to uh, one of the characters there, we understand how dangerous masks can, can be. We all become what we pretend to be. And this notion of we become what we pretend to be, this notion of pretending, as in if you tend to do a particular things, how can you pretend so that mm. that pretending becomes the tending, becomes who you are? And uh, this is this is something dangerous for me because uh, I, know, I know folks that say to themselves, I'm just gonna do this fly in, fly out work just for a couple of years, just to get enough money to pay for the house. And then six, eight years later, they're still working the job because they've become, they've become what they pretended to be. Mm. And for me as a someone who speaks in corporate audiences and stuff like that, there are certain elements I'm like, oh, I need to kind of sidle into different forms of self, but I also know how dangerous a mask can be, which is why we choose a word every single year. So there's a lot of myth, enchantment, liveliness, entertainment, wonder, that I'm bringing as a bard, at least I hope to, uh, it still takes some time. Like the, the first three months is still like awkward. And then you start to really learn the lessons. And then there's something beautiful that happens around midwinter. If you're choosing this at this particular time of the year in the Southern hemisphere, midwinter reveals the darker, deeper lessons that you didn't want to learn or didn't realize you needed to learn. And then as you come into spring, you start to contemplate the new word mm. for the year ahead. I think it's exciting 2020 for you because there's, you've been giving all of this information to top executive CEOs, corporates, whereas I feel like this choose one word and all that sort of thing is moving into allowing 
just the regular gronks totally. to get some yeah. of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Size. I'm actually getting a little bit tired of that whole world. And uh, yeah, I think that um, it's, it's all of this is how do we orientate towards future relevance? And, you know, if you think to think, think like, I imagine that uh, when and I've forgotten, what was your what's your kid's name? Bodhi. Bodhi. Yeah. When Bodhi came into your world, there are probably this whole think of like, geez, there's probably some things that need to kind of shift and change. There's a new context mm. you're living into now. You're, you know, you're a father and that's another archetype for you to step mm. in and live into. And then for many of folks, as they get to this point in the year, they're thinking what's going to be different about the year ahead. If you think about your life as though it were an autobiography where every single moment has been written down in this book, it's narrative fallacy, but still helpful. And then if you look back in the last few years and you see these same patterns repeating and you know that they trigger the same angst and disappointment and suffering, and then you look at the blank chapters of the year ahead, you think, <coughs> what might be different about the year ahead? I think this is a question that all of us can tap into. And I think that the work required to choose and find a word, you can't, it's not something you can do every week or every month. It would lose mm. its efficacy. But once a year to actually just reflect, introspect, and then potentially project a kind of word to serve as a beacon, I think could be really helpful for all of us. Mm, I love I'm it. super curious to hear what your words are. And I, I'll give you some time. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you access to this program. I also want to point out, by the mm -hmm. way, I know I mentioned the choose one word thing. <laughs> There's, I've, I've made a special link because I love the Daily Talk Show. I've made a special link that if you guys are hearing this and if you're curious and you'd love to kind of go into this, don't use the link on my actual website. Find the link <laughs> underneath the podcast thing or in the YouTube video for this episode. Put in the bio then link. I the, set up, uh, this is the first time. Show I, notes. Show notes. Show notes, there you go. <laughs> I don't do it, Mason. <laughs> um, this is the first time I've done this, uh, but this is like apparently this auto magic thing where anyone who signs up, then you guys will get like a, a portion of the thing. So Amazing, um, we'll be able to keep the lights on. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, it's going to be a good year. How do you deal with within the infinite game, finite game, uh, business. So making cash. How does how does that play? Because I can see how uh, a bunch of pushback <coughs> that after reading the infinite, you know, finite and infinite games, uh, thinking <laughs> you nearly mentioned Simon Sinek's book, <laughs> exactly. the infinite game. Same same. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, the um, trying to sort of um, live a life and be a responsible adult. Mm while still following yeah, man. the infinite game. Yeah, it's fucked. It's so hard. <laughs> um, I come back to the both ending it. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's kind of uh, the irony and sincerity. The, the, uh, I, I don't know because mm. we're still all operating within the current, you know, dominant system of capitalism. And I, I don't know how to, you know, there, there's glimmers of how we can kind of get beyond this, but I, I, I suspect it's going to require some sort of big system collapse, mm -hmm. which is not going to be a fun time for anyone. Mm. So in the meantime, though, um, I was super inspired by Sam Harris's waking up course. He has this line and I, I borrowed the inspiration from him. Um, if you're in a situation and you truly can't afford it, um, send us an email and we'll gift you it for free. And mm -hmm. we've got that stance as well. It's like if, if there are people that would really love this but genuinely can't afford it, send us an email and we'll give them lifetime access for free. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's this kind of way of just softening things. You, you were talking about minimalism before. Uh, I think one of the noblest things that we can do in this world that we're in right now is not just uh, consume less, uh, not just buy more material stuff and not, not, not simply be conscious about our consumption, which I think is very noble. It's also like 
do we need to hustle and earn as much? Do we really need to get in that rampant capitalistic growth pathway that we're so often encouraged because you end up working more to earn more to then buy more stuff that you then need to work harder to pay for and if we can get to this point where we realize okay coming back to gratitudes some of the best things in life are going and grabbing a coffee uh sitting in the sun chatting with some friends for uh the morning uh or simpler things like that that just don't require us to obsess uh there's a there's a beautiful book called um how to do nothing uh by jenny odell there's nothing in it it's just <laughs> blank oh it's Great. beautiful she's a bird watcher and uh you know it just it just there's some sensibilities that i think we're kind of reawakening to mm. that require us to well that, that don't require us to get onto that um hyper growth um pathway that um many folks love to I'd love, trumpet i'd love to go bird watching would that be something you'd be interested in doing with me have you got a bin binoculars i've never done it before but okay. i well no i've watched, watched we're, we're bird. talking about birds that fly yes uh yeah no that'd be lovely yeah let's do let's do that i wonder what it's like in Melbourne, like in Victoria, I guess we can mm. find out. I feel like there's a, here's, here's something interesting. I'm someone who identifies as a hiker and a camper. I love mm -hmm. the outdoors. But if I look back at the um, number of times that I actually You've spent never done it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting how identity <laughs> and the evidence, right? Yeah. So I, I haven't been out anywhere near as much. Mm. More time in nature next year is, is definitely something as yeah. part of the, the enchantment of, of the year of the bard or whatever word I choose that That's, people understand. Um, that thing I think is very interesting, the identity, like what we think that we are and then mm. reconciling yes. it with our actions. Yeah, because we are uh, our actions. Yeah. They speak tr more true to who we are than what we just say we are. I guess that pretending yeah. plays well into that. Mm, mm. So yeah, it's like rather believe. than trying to uh, sculpt and say I'm a writer and all that sort of thing, what about the actual act of writing? Yeah. Like actually. That's the hard bit though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just great to say it. I think it's also like understanding what the success is or what what success looks like for you. So for, for instance, around the, um, the, the master, the guru thing, mm. and there's people making money mm. doing that stuff. They might not know the most, but they're not like, I, I find the conversations with you, I feel proud of myself based on feeling like I can um, keep up with the in intellectual nature of the conversation versus when you're on sub a hundred of these mm. episodes. And that's like, for me, the, the growth I feel inside your brand is very intelligent, thoughtful. It's, mm. it's, um, it's thought out, you know, like you've been pondering these things for a long time, it feels like, and you have knowledge to back it up. Whereas I think I have empathy for the person that gets into the, I'm a coach, I, I'm a, uh, you know, like a, I'm a video, you know, expert, expert yeah. mm. because I know how tough it is to even get started. Yeah. And when you don't have the intelligence to back it up, mm. Which I don't mm. in in the way that you you know present. There's this like I've got to just fucking give something a crack, yeah. and if and that's not even at the moment of taking into consideration what success looks like. So for some of these people, I see that have success probably ha have come from the like I actually don't know much, yeah. fuck it, but I'm just I have to assume give this, and crack. then it works. Mm. Then mm. I make money, yeah. and then you shift, and so there is so much nuance to these things oh, yeah. in brand and what we're doing, presenting yeah. to the world. Oh, it's, um, 100%. And let's come back to this, the curiosity and kindness. And we're all kind of uh, 
living a complex world with many battles on many fronts and we're trying to make the best of it with the resources that we have. Uh, and certainly I look back on, like one of the funniest things is look, to look at used uh, Wayback Machine to kind oh, of yeah. like look at where people have come from. Mm. And yeah, I used to claim to be a thought leader, an expert. Um, my first business card had efficacy expert on it. <laughs> <laughs> and because people didn't know what efficacy was, I put the definition of efficacy on the back of this card. So, like, it's it's a it's the Alan Weiss quote. I'm constantly surprised by how stupid I was two weeks ago. Yeah, um, I've heard you say that. I love yeah, that. And this I is love whole, that. I'll give us permission. Let's all have permission to grow. And you know, this the young person who's thinking, I'd love to get into video. It seems like the whole thing. You know, there's a certain way of like sh like the swagger of how you mm -hmm. show up in the world that you know if we can make it uh <laughs> it's tricky right it's nuanced an authentic mm. swagger or at least a, a kind of there's an if there's a knowingness or a yeah well we're, no we're baggage no baggage mm. as well like when you when someone starts filming they don't realize that you can fuck the white balance and do all that sort of thing so it's mm. a non-issue I really want to do these cards. Oh. Thing. I'm going to do the, the first thing that I've never done on the Take show before. I'm going to piss. Yeah, I needed to. But okay, so I'm, really I'm going to keep talking. So, <laughs> na naivety. So, the naivety oh, of the person. I'll do I'll do I can do a reading for, yeah, for Tom. Oh, oh no. Oh, yeah. Do you oh, want to go? I'll just, I just want to. The naivety that someone enters a career with, you could say the the quote around the t person I was two weeks before, you know, even yeah. three yeah. years before. Of course. Is three minutes. You yeah. cringe at. And so. If you lose that naivety and you're still playing in a similar realm, it can be crippling based on having too much context, not willing to be as confident or not willing to step up like you used to when you had no understanding of yeah, the outcome. Totally. And this is the fragility of success, mm. right? So when people do well and they start to develop systems and it's working really well for them, um, it, success is fragile. Once you are successful, you have more to lose. And then people start to protect the systems in the way that they do things and it becomes all defensive mm. and rigid. And they've lost that uh, naivety and can do and let's just see and let's explore and I don't know what I'm doing, but let's mm. let's say yes to this. Uh, and it becomes heavy and serious. And so part of the part of the process here is there is, a, like you're right, there's a beautiful, brilliant charm to the naivety of the early stage. And this is something that we can subsume into naive knowingness because if we go from naivety to knowing to then thinking I've got it all figured out, I know it mm. all, then you kind of, you lose curiosity and wonder. Um, whereas if there's a way that you can bring or rekindle naivety back into the mix, you still know stuff, mm. but you're trying to be naive as well. Uh, you may just open up new pathways. Is it maybe like the, the shift? So from when you had those business cards to the person you are now entering into like a, a new not persona or a, I mean the the word thing associating to a way of mm. um, outwardly projecting who you are or who you want people to see you as gives you the ability to step into this. I actually haven't done this before. I can be a bit naive. I actually don't know how people are going to perceive it. And it's, it's an advantage too. It's like uh, sometimes you can say, look, I know there, there's like, I know there's a standard way to do things. And then there's plenty of other folks that will give you this, 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 and this. I'm not so sure, and, I, and it's going to be pretty fun to explore what we can mm. do together, but I've got some suspicions we can do this, this, and this, or at least play in these areas. And so it's like a fresh offering compared to all the other pro professionals that are doing it the right way. Mm. What about sense. the identity? I'm back, guys, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the identity of the devil's advocate. Uh I'd say it's like a role to, that we mm -hmm. can play. I wouldn't identify as I am. I am a devil's advocate. Uh, <laughs> it's a role we can play. And this this notion of roles, right? It's a. It's like it's 
orientation towards relevance. How can we contribute in a meaningful way? And you're talking about like where people are at. If we zoom out even beyond a year, there are phases within life. Like there's the schooling and the education and stuff like that. And then there's learning the ropes of your particular industry and stuff like that, and maybe switching roles and stuff. And then there's, there's building and trying to establish some foundations. And, you know, and particularly on what life phase you're in, maybe it does make sense that someone's in hustle mode. I'm personally incredibly fatigued by the hustle culture that, uh, that exists in the world. But I also understand that it's an incredibly competitive world now and people have to compete on a global world stage nowadays instead of just within their local community. And so it's it's bloody tough. And so I can understand and empathize if you're in that particular phase of life. Yeah, there's a different shift in uh, ordering of, of priorities. Mm. Something appealing it. about Sovereign Hill. <laughs> think about like, especially when you, wear, when you wear your outfits and I think about like uh, you've got like a ye olde sort of mentality sometimes. You're, saying, like, you're talking about the, the time that that was... Yeah, the 1800s. Not specifically the uh, adventure park that is Mate, Southern Hill. The costumes, there was no toilets. There was... Well, I just think about... Play, the plague. But just was, think about... There's something <laughs> true, nice. Yeah. But just think about, like, working in a shop. Like, I guess when you talked about, the like, the hyper-local stuff or, like, it got me th just thinking about the beauty of working on the main street and the yeah. main street actually meaning something and it's where everyone has to walk through and it's you can mm. work at the lolly shop or you could be like a blacksmith or so this is i mean there's a lot of pining for the nostalgia of times past mm. and um you know it's like that point like when people are saying why can't we just return to all growing our own food you know like people used to do and they had this romantic view and they forget that actually when you're living on subsistent farming and then your crops die out you run the risk of starvation your whole family <laughs> could die like it's like it's like cool that's this beautiful charm there but you know that the thing that's different nowadays is back then we would have these communal areas where we had moments of interaction mm. and people would read the newspaper and there'd be a shared narrative so people could talk about the same issues together. Nowadays we're living in fragmented, atomized society. People are getting their information and worldviews and connecting community via their devices and kind of bumbling about and we're... Uh, in many places we're losing that sense of community via collision and shared space, but we're also seeing the rekindling of this. And this is where I, I, I hat tip and thank the, the, the hipsters and hippies of the world who are bringing a little bit more meaning and enchantment, like, you know, a lot of other bullshit as well, but like, um, <laughs> but the, the sense of, yeah, let's like, let's do some slow food mm -hmm. stuff. Like let's actually like spend some time. Let's like go hang out near a, uh, a fire and, you know, under the stars and stuff, because we, we're kind of otherwise losing that togetherness and community and charm. Mm. Mm, like I, I think I've, it's probably a judgmental thought, though, um, when I've met someone who I believe is living a simple life. You you know, you're out in the bush or whatever, you, you're driving through a small town, you mm -hmm. meet somebody, you're like, you're happy with this because mm -hmm. they seem happy and it's like less worry. But then I actually think about we're all humans having our own experience and so they would be battling with their own stuff. Yeah. And then I think about taking on more and building a business and having more responsibility and family and I was like, it's just a level of playing at that. Ha so you have to change. You can't be as simplistic in thinking or you can't act as simplicity and and, yeah, yeah, yeah. as that. And mm. so I feel like I always look to people who have less responsibility and I don't even have that much in comparison mm. to the, you know, the Fortune 500 CEO that has so much responsibility. And so then I think I, think I look to the simplicity as like, 
oh, that would be easier. Oh, yeah, I like, do that like, all the time too, yeah. It's the same yeah. thing with money, right? Like yeah. if we had heaps of money, then it's like even though they say money doesn't buy happiness or whatever, you're like, mm. I reckon it would help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's, I mean, there's there's a notion. I mean, I, I do the same. I, I probably uh, on every three or four days, I say to Kim, like, oh, it, w- it wouldn't be nice just to kind of work nine to five. And then at five o'clock, you just switch off and you don't think about work uh, at all. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, we're all playing different roles here and life has kind of dealt us different hands and we've, we're kind of we're doing the best we can with the resources that we have. What was that you just said? Uh, I said so, about the money thing. Oh, yeah, the oh, money. Yeah, the, yeah. So, so the notion of hedonistic adaptation is an important thing for us to keep in mind. Like it's lifestyle creep, right? Yeah, exactly. So we get more money, cool, but then our expectations increase. And Mm -hmm. that's why I kind of, back when I did do hiking and camping, I love how there's like a reset button to your hedonistic adaptation. You know, like you get back home and just so grateful for water that comes out of a tap or, you know, the notion of a mattress that you can lay down Mm on. Um, And I think that without us disrupting the, the otherwise lifestyle creep or hedonistic adaptation, we just end up, kind of wanting more and more. And so maybe there are some, yeah, and then maybe there is a kind of a wisdom to those that have found some mm-hmm. sort of groove. Uh, and yet possibly they're, they're possibly in their world, they're like thinking, oh, I should do more. And I'm not sure what my other friends think of me or yeah, who knows what's going on in the inner worlds of others, but comes back to curiosity and kindness and uh, doing the best we can with the resources we've got. Mm. So you brought this uh, to yeah. the toilet. Well, you oh, okay. perfect. This is great. So you've got a, uh, cards that can i describe it it's in a it's in a black box it's got some silver foiling um first edition it is 506 of 5000 of these have been made uh it's uh how do you pronounce that supra supra it's a supra oracle and it's got someone doing something with their hands oh yeah it's got beautiful gold foil what i love about this so this is a kickstarter project i backed i really like the artwork of it Mm um and uh, a lot of people carry oracle cards with them. It's kind of like, uh, you know, have you heard of tarot cards? Yeah. Um, tarot cards has a has quite a, a formula to it. Um, uh, you know, there are certain cards that have certain meanings attached to it. I don't necessarily know enough about that world. Um, all I know is there's a bunch of cards in here that have different words or concepts on them that serve as useful provocations to help me to think about some of the things that are vexing me or are from new perspectives and new angles. This is fun. I so, like this. So I would like layer magical realism here. So for anyone who's playing along at home, mm-hmm. if you can find an Oracle deck, it is entirely possible for you to maintain your rational intellectual skepticism and still have fun doing this. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if you want to allow yourself to indulge, um, so I did this just spontaneously the other day with someone, uh, there was a tarot deck on the bookshelf and I'll say, here, uh, let me, let me read your omen. And then I I picked out a card uh, for them uh, and it said the tower. Mm-hmm. And then later we walked uh, to go find some lunch and they didn't know what they wanted to eat for lunch. We looked at the menu and there was a burger called the tower. This is perfect. That's I would always have uncanny, that card. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the tower again. That's the fifth day in a row that I think this. But if the so, oracle said so. So what I'm going to yeah, what I'm going there's to get no you to oracle do, card that says uh, muscle chef. What's, what's it, what do I do? My muscle chef. My muscle chef. I'm going to get you to shuffle this deck. Okay, great. And then we're going to choose three cards. And let's set the context for this. This might be um, three cards that might help to influence or guide the theme of your year ahead. Perfect. 
I like that. All right, I'm Might. terrible. And you hear the softening <laughs> of my language here. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. This is it. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to get three cards. Yes. Yeah. You, and then you turn them over. I don't necessarily have to pick them all from the top, by the okay, way. Okay, sure. Just like, hang on. If, if it helps, if it helps, mm -hmm. just like maybe hum a little bit and, you know, sense out the cards. Mm -hmm. Has anyone done like um, mm -hmm. a scratchy or something? And you kind of, you kind of <laughs> like. bring up the scratchy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, we did one in. They're more complex in the states. It was like oh, uh, right. you had to Tommy come back and get another one. You Mr. Ninety Seven asked when they're announcing the winner. He didn't realize <laughs> it was on the scratch. It was, it's, that's not those two. it's not your one dollar here where you just yeah. it's either you know yeah, match right. match yeah. three yeah. things yeah. and you're anyway. done. So, all right, mm. okay, good luck. Mm. Okay, that's that's great. That's enough. <laughs> all right. mm -hmm. There's one. Okay, one at a time. One at a time. Oh, okay, now go. turn it over. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. What have we got? So I was really feeling something here. Uh, it is, does that say animus? Animus. Animus? Animus. animus. What's animus? Uh, animus is uh, tapping into the male aspect of or more masculine energies within your psyche. So there's anima and animus. Mm -hmm. um, anima, I think, refers to the feminine side. Mm -hmm. uh, animus is a little more masculine side. I may have got this mixed up, which could screw things dramatically. Can, so we've got Mr. 97. No, he, can, he can do In a masculine part of the female personality in the analytic psychology. Oh, there you go. Speaks quite truly. Yeah, so this, may, so this is trying to find, untap the masculine bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that's good. I'm thinking or, about... Or if you also think about it from the yin-yang perspective, like within uh, any of us, there's like feminine aspects within uh, blokes mm -hmm. and there's also potentially masculine elements within uh, uh, lady folk as well. So mm -hmm. um, so it might just be... I don't know what... Don't rush to make meaning of us right no, now. But, it, okay. but, it, but it, could, it could, you know, be type, tapping into the, mm -hmm. the masculine sides of things. So maybe we should do another testosterone test. Oh, hang on. Do you want, should we oscillate? Do you want to join in on this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Tom, yeah, yeah. You'll just, just need to shuffle it so that you... Oh, I have um, to shuffle. So, I have that's to right. so that you don't accidentally get Josh's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, rah, rah. fortune. That's right. The fortune is good. an interesting word, right? Because it comes from uh, the Greek god uh, Fortuna. Mm -hmm. And there was this wheel of fortune, you know, the... the Old TV show, The Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, in yeah. mythology, The Wheel of Fortune was the fact that um, you might be having a good time in life, but at any moment, Fortuna might turn the wheel and what is good may turn you into like despair and stuff. Sure. And mm. those that are having a bad time might actually have a good time. So mm. it's this whole, if we can be kind of have a grace or a stoicism mm -hmm. where we're not so swept up in the whims of Fortuna and just kind of stoically go about life, um, that could be great. All right, right, right. Yeah. EJ, let's um, see this. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, uh, I kept thinking you guys are, oh. uh, Okay. Myth. Myth. Oh, there you go. What does it mean? Myth. My interpretation is, um, and the, your, it's open to your interpretation, so subsume this. This is provocation for you. What's the illustration, Jason? How is that a I balloon? I would say that it's like a glass balloon being blown. Um, oh, cool. Okay. Um, I would say that, you know, for myth, I'd be encouraging you to think about uh, the st stories that you live in. The world We all live in a world of stories. We swim in the sea of stories and meaning. And there are stories that you have and hold about yourself that have become myths. And there are stories that others have and hold about you mm. that are kind of like the, who, the myth of TJ. And you might want to be thinking, okay, how might, what, like, what types of stories do I want to tell of myself and uh, for others to tell of me? Mm. How good okay. is this? I feel like I'm really connecting with this. Okay, I'll shuffle. <laughs> I you. hope this is good for the listeners at home. No, I don't care. All right. 
<laughs> cool. You've done your, you've done your humming and stuff too, so that's out of the way. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. All right, great. Okay, so I'm just about right. to pick another card. Second card. Oh Josh. right. Okay. What have we got here? Oh, what is that? What is it? So it doesn't say anything. <laughs> it looks like they're holding a big biscuit. That's great. Or like a um. Cheese board. <laughs> yeah, cheese board. Cheese board. I think it's a, I think it's a cheese subscription. <laughs> Do you think, have you seen near your place there's a sign for a cheese subscription? No, I haven't. But mm. that makes sense. You know, and all sorts of subscription <laughs> things so, nowadays. Does this have any meaning? Well, so there's nature and then there's cheese board. So I think I need to go out more picnics. That. That's, yeah, so, see, so that's meaning in action, okay, so right? So this the is provocation we, evokes the meaning within. It's so funny because that's what I've been thinking about. Like what? Just uh, going outside. Yeah, but just like uh, Bree and I had a great time like a couple of years ago when we went to Dalesford, the lake house or whatever, and the best – I hated the restaurant, no offence, but the um, the picnic bit where we had mm. like wine and we are chilling out next to the lake was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so That's great. That's, that's what that means. All right, I'll pick my one. Second card, self, and it's a hand holding rings that are holding another – Oh, it's like a serpent. More self. It's, it's a, um, yeah, there's an eye in the middle of this snake that's a, a ring. So that's the snake represents, uh, that's an Ouroboros, which is the snake eating its own tail, which talks about the infinite nature of time. Um, mm. So I would I would suggest this notion of selfness and given all the loops and the cycles and that, you might be thinking about, it might be an opportunity for you to think not just about the stories of who you are and what others say of you, but also think of yourself from a more eternal or infinite perspective, because we all experience ourselves in this particular moment of time. But if we were to imagine what our future selves would think of us, or if we think about ourselves as viewing uh, the entirety of our lives, what's that all about? And I mean, these are the questions that we don't normally get time to mm. consider, but once a year, we might just kind of use that as a provocation. Mm. It could be. Like that's it. really it good. Could, it we could need to take something. photos of these so oh, we yeah. can remember them. Yeah. Mm. Put them in Evernote. 2021 again into, back into Evernote. Nice shuffling. Thank you. Okay. Okay, here we go. Third and final Third card. provocation. Threshold. Threshold. And what's the picture? Lions or tigers, kings. No, king, lion king. Lions, they're lions. Um, and it sort of looks like uh, the lion from Wizard of Oz. And there's... And what is clouds? This? Lovely. And what, what what does threshold mean for you? <clears throat> threshold uh, is about finding the perfect balance. So it's like oh yeah, nice I'm imagining one. like a slider, and like I'm thinking about the the slider of contra the contrast threshold. And so I'm trying to get just enough. <laughs> In your video Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, so it's like a threshold is about like finding, like for me, if I'm using like an audio compressor or whatever, you're trying to find the exact balance to make it work. Mm. Is that what threshold, what's the definition of threshold 97? Can I jump in? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this, is, this is good. I love this. And you're actually, uh, I think you're correct with that, finding the right threshold, which is like a balance. But I also say it's like a, a like a, a moment that we cross. Or what, what is the technical difference? The magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a certain reaction, phenomenon, or result. Mm. So in um, uh, the uh, oh, what's his name? Um, 
Hero of a Thousand Faces, the book that explores oh, yeah, the monomyth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget the author's name. Uh, Joseph Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. Uh, talk about the hero's journey uh, mm-hmm. of it being one that crosses certain thresholds uh, where you, you start, you resist the call to adventure, but some sort of catalyzing thing gets you on the adventure that's crossing the first threshold. There's some sort of like conquering the, dra- slaying the dragon, which is an external threat cross another threshold, but then there's an inner threat or an inner world uh, thing to threat. Now, I don't know what threshold you might be at, but it seems like a pretty powerful year for you, tapping into your inner, uh, your animus, um, having more cheese and picnics, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, there's some sort of threshold that you will know that uh, it may be time for you to cross. I like it. How good is it? All right, just a quick little it's, it's, uh, Provocations, right? So, you know. No, nah, no, nah, this is it. This is a framework. It's like if people draw a card that says death, right? Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm going to die. No, it's not like, okay, what does that concept represent? All right. Um, improbability is the card I've chosen. This, there's a, is that a duck? That's something. That's someone, it's an arm shooting a bow towards the sky. And there's a sort of silhouette of the moon. When you hear the word improbability, what does that evoke for you? <laughs> Improbability. I don't even know what it means, to be honest. What is it? What does it evoke, though? What's probability? Yeah, probability. The likelihood of something happening in improbability. Impossible. Im- improbability. I have no so idea. What I, what I would suggest <laughs> for you is that this could be a lovely provocation. It's like, okay, so you're contemplating these future possibilities, right? One way to look at this is like, there is a there's a there's a possibility in the future that you think nah that's very unlikely mm. to occur that's very imp- improbable you know like the probability of that very slim and it might be like mm, maybe maybe in terms of the stories that you say and the kind of the the way that you relate to the stories that are around you maybe that's something to lean into if there was something that you thought ah oh, we're not ready yet or a few years time maybe maybe mm. that could be something that uh, could be part of the radar for the year ahead or maybe not maybe this is all just bullshit right so this is part of the <laughs> this is part of the the kind of oscillation if it helps if it is serves, this what a tarot card reader would do <laughs> now they're convinced <laughs> um uh, which actually, there's that, the, you know, the, the, there is a predatory form of like self-development capitalism mm-hmm. that I don't like where, where people who are in vulnerable stages of life can get sold these mythical, magical programs that are b- bullshit, mm-hmm. that don't necessarily help. And of course, there are some things where this, this process itself is quite helpful and therapeutic. So with all these things, keep your wits about you. And if any of this helps you, mm. eh, maybe it might evoke some, some thoughtfulness. Well, I think I, what I'm trying to do is connect it to the thing I think so i think i have like a i don't know the word but i have the the sort of understanding of where i want to focus on Mm -hmm. and then i'm trying to connect it to that so i Mm -hmm. think that's what happens right if you're feeling internally like you're onto something but you don't haven't verbalized it and then you start oh this may like you're connecting meaning uncovers the unconscious as well i guess right Mm. and so then it's like it forces us to say okay within the bag of stories that we have yeah what are these provoking? Yeah. And so then it turns out that the cheese thing in Dalesford that happened over a year ago, I'm able to pull upon that and totally. think and about it. And bring back that into, yeah. your, into your consciousness. Mm-hmm. And like if you're, if you're having to draw a card and you're like, fuck that, no way, it kind of doubles your conviction or your sense of like, yeah, no, I think I feel like I've got this. Mm-hmm. You know, that provocation, nah, 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 I think. And either way, like there's no right and wrong of this, but it just, just helps us to, Think about who we are and who we might become. Think about what's important from new, new lights. So, yeah, well done, guys. I love it. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Chooseoneword.com. But, yeah, use the link in the 
Yeah, use the link under the under this uh, in mm -hmm. the show notes or the, under the video. Um, mm -hmm. That way you get to support the daily talk show too. And how many videos are there in total? You did like 75 uh, current counting. I'm uh -huh. hoping to keep this as a dynamic thing. That may seem intimidating to some folks, but I've categorized them as like essential, uh, extended and esoteric. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to get into the esoteric territories, but you can do this as a pick a path adventure. You mm -hmm. can just choose which ones you want to watch and it's, you get a lifetime access. So it's always there for you. And I hope to update it year on year. Yeah. And I also love just hanging out with you because I think that you uh, bring such an interesting sort of thought processes and experience. And I feel like potentially I don't have to read as many books because I can just ask you. <laughs> you sort of That's handy. what we're all doing in life, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're all just, we're all just, someone's like, got to read them. Still. So you're doing the reading. But you're reading body language, yeah, right? Sure. You're reading yeah. the, the tone and language uh -huh. that happens. Like there's diff like books are just one form of capturing knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like the conversations, the mm -hmm. living knowledge is another form too. So mm -hmm. it's all good. Everything is everything. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dr. Jason Fox, The Wizard. It's a daily talk show. Thank you, everyone, for a great year. Oh, should we just quickly reflect? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been a great year. What have you been thinking about 97 coming <clears throat> to the to the end of 2019? Um, well, I mean, so just based off that chat, I've been thinking about, I guess, the term of leaning into stuff. Mm -hmm. There's always like a, a barrier or a thought before I do something, thinking about the consequences or like ramifications of what I say or the actions that I take. So I think stepping into it and really leaning into the stuff that makes me uncomfortable is yeah something that I want to focus on. Mm -hmm. I don't know the word for it yet, but yeah, yeah that's, that's the sort of idea. I think it's also like the uh, doing this every day. It, <laughs> I think it's shown us the power of the smaller action, if anything, right? Which is yeah. like it compounds. And I think that doing it every day, we haven't actually been able to give things much thought, but we've been pretending for the entire year and through that these things actually emerge and then it's almost like what you were talking about where you go uh, to Christmas, you know, with your family and people are saying things that are actually quite, I find that quite connected with what we're doing because we are constantly yeah, exactly. out there. Yeah. And so I think there's definitely something in that where it's like, oh, these actions are actually adding up to something. Mm. And so maybe there's an opportunity, you know, at the end of this year now to say, okay, let's... um we can actually steer it a little bit now. What, what's the casting it off as you're sort of saying? Mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You got in some intentionality, directionality in this, like a, yeah. Mm, yeah. I love it. Thanks for coming on, mate. And no thank you to all the uh, Gronks for the past year, for all the emails, for the uh, reviews, for the fun on Instagram. It's always great. And I think it's like the reason why we love doing it is uh, actually having people that we can chat mm. to and listen to and, and all think about all the friends we've made in the last year. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And all so the good. firsts Mason's ticked off. It's bloody unbelievable. <laughs> to be honest. So happy new year, everyone. And we'll uh, see you in 2020. Which is tomorrow. See you guys. Bye.